General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We are here so the church can do ministry and fulfill its commission by God to make disciples of all nations and to preach the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Danny Donovan, president of General Baptist Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this third episode of our brand new podcast, Doing Together. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so that the church can fulfill its calling. In this episode, we're excited to share a conversation about missions between myself and two of our vice presidents, Vince Daniel, vice president for national missions, and Mark Powell, vice president for global missions. And uh, as a way of introduction, uh, Vince and, and uh, Mark both work here with the ministries um, in General Baptist Ministries in Poplar Bluff, but they also are involved in churches. I want to uh, highlight those as well. Vince is the lead pastor of Real Life Church in Mountain Home, Arkansas, and uh, the church just celebrated in September its 10-year anniversary of its founding, and uh, Vince and his family have uh, led that church well, and it's one of our uh, strong churches in the Landmark Association. Mark is the senior pastor for the last 20 years of Pleasant View General Baptist Church in Risco, Missouri. And um, that church is a part of uh, an important part of the um, New Liberty State Association. And uh, both of them have been involved in General Baptist ministries as well as local church ministries for many years. Um, so I'm today we're going to be having a conversation about missions. And uh, the purpose of missions, what missions is, uh, what, are, what are we doing in missions right now, and kind of highlighting some of the work that we are currently in and also things that we're emphasizing and looking forward to in the future. Um, so I just want to start off, I and mean, I'm just going to kind of moderate the conversation and let you guys talk um, with, with one another as well as, uh, you know, in terms of these questions. But um, I want to just ask first, what, what do you think missions is? Uh, missions is, uh, we say, is one of the three things that General Baptist Ministries is, that's what we do, is uh, is missions. So what do we, we say that? What do we mean by that? What do we mean by missions? The uh, I, I think the, the definition for me, I think missions is the vehicle. Um, when I think of the gospel being the ultimate thing that we carry, it's the product that we have. It's um, this message that's life-changing. I, I consider missions the vehicle in which it goes out. And so uh, it's one. Of, I would say that's how I probably define it the most when I'm asked that about what is missions. Uh, I just think it's the avenue in which, in which it goes out, how we get the gospel out. Okay. So. Yeah, for me, Christian missions has a specific redemptive quality to it. We, uh, we do a lot of things that um, aren't specifically evangelistic, but yet we consider them missional because they are um, creating opportunities for us to share our faith and share our witness. And so um, everything that we do um, in missions ought to have ultimately its goal of bringing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so we're, we're always working with that view in mind, whether we're doing a, a food pantry or whatever it might be that is, that is missional, but at the same time, we can't lose the, the, the scope of it being redemptive at some point in time. We're trying to bring people to Jesus ultimately. Good. So whenever, uh, whenever we talk about mission, missional, those kinds of things, 
one of the things that I, I think is interesting is to recognize that God is the one who ultimately is the, the, the primary missionary, right? God's the one that's on mission, and we get to come along and be a part of what he's doing. So um, how is it, um, how do you see what you're doing in national missions as being that kind of, um, that kind of work, this, what we're talking about with missions? What is, what's national missions, whenever we say, put that qualifier of national in there? Yeah, I think that probably from the, the to me, the, the clearest difference would be, and I think Mark just has said it, put it in the great way that, that the idea of missions is much broader than, than maybe just a, a sermon or maybe just a, a church service. I would say then on the national mission side of thing that that is, that is still primarily where we focused is planting a church. Um, we, there's so many social uh, and, and civil organizations that within America that a lot of the, the what you would might see as a, a work that's not the gospel but is also something the church would be involved in, so many local churches are handling those, those food pantries, those, uh, those type of projects. So for the national mission side, our focus does land primarily on start, starting or launching new works within the and, – and I – we, we're just getting these opportunities that are coming up now that may not look like what we used to see as a typical church, um, but may end up being more broad ministry focused and uh, how you reach into communities, how you become a partner to other ministries and communities. And so we're seeing that. So from a national side, I would say ultimately plan A is to start more local churches, but we also see that broadening. I think we'll see it in the next two to five years broadening uh, quite a bit. So from the national side, that's, that's where I'd say on that. Yeah, globally, the goal is, is, is the same. We're trying to plant churches. The process may be a little uh, lengthier because we have to develop the leadership locally. And depending on the, what that context looks like, we may be coming from people who, who did not know Christianity at all to a place of being involved in ministry and what that training process would look like. Or they may be coming from a... Uh, a community that doesn't have the same understanding of Scripture that, that we have. Uh, we're, we're doing work in Latin America, which is predominantly Catholic, and, and nothing uh, against the Catholic Church at all, but the understandings of ministry and what church looks like are different. And so we have to kind of begin where they are and, and develop leadership uh, and, then, and then do church planting from that context. Uh, also, our goal is to establish churches that are self-sustaining, and uh, and often we find ourselves in in pure in poor economies. And so, how can we? You know, there's this phrase, redemption and uplift. How can we not only bring the the saving message of Christ, but how can we uplift their lives to where a ministry can, in fact, be self-sustaining? And what would that even look like in that context? But um, ultimately, we want churches that are able to reproduce themselves, uh, like we're doing here in the States through church planting. We're wanting churches that can sustain themselves. And so uh, globally, it takes uh, a, a, a little broader picture, I guess, although a lot of churches here in the States are doing those kind of ministries as well because we're finding that much of what we've done for years overseas 
is now coming home, and we're doing a lot of those same ministries here as well. Uh, we're dealing with a lot of poverty. We're dealing with a lot of, of people who, who, are, who don't have a Christian context or a Christian culture. And so uh, we've been dealing with that globally for, for many, many years, and now we're starting to do a lot of that here as well. So mainly we're wanting to, to bring people to Christ, help develop leadership within that context, plant churches, but also figure out ways to help those churches become self-sustaining. I think that's such a neat point, Mark, that you make that that some of the processes that we've used internationally for a long time are making their way back because even the familiarity with the gospel in America is changing. And so what we used to say, well, everybody knows of Jesus or about Jesus in our context, they just don't anymore. And so that relational model of mission work of let's spend some time together, let's let's work on a water project together, let's work on a uh, just a, some sort of relational project together to where I then have the opportunity to share the gospel. That's been an international model for decades, if centuries, and and we're we're seeing those models again work in, on stateside. So, whenever you 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 both of you individually have been involved in national missions or in global missions. And so there's part of all of this that becomes part of your own story and your own calling, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, I know, Mark, we've talked about that a lot over the time, over the years about, you know, how that interacts with how you see how global missions is done. Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of times the context of your calling has a lot to do with the traje- tra- trajectory of, of your of your calling as well. Uh, for me, in in my story, I was um, in the United States Air Force, um, and I was far from God whenever I whenever I went into the Air Force, and and through a process, uh, um, God kept bringing me closer to 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 to, his, to my upbringing, to my to my family roots. And uh, I found myself on a temporary duty assignment in, in Turkey. I had, I had rededicated my life. I was back in church. I was serving the Lord again. And, uh, and it was in that context. I was with the, the, the chapel, the, the, the base chaplain on a tour to the city of Antioch where they were first called Christians. And, and I just asked a random question to the base chaplain. I said, how many Christians are in Antioch today? And he said, um, to our knowledge, there's not a single evangelical church in Antioch today. And it, and the, and it, it floored me. I, I, was, I was stunned by, by the response and felt a very clear calling and at that moment in time. And in that context, I think is really important uh, to, uh, to ministry and to missions because I just thought it was tragic that, that where they were first called Christians, what would be considered really the birthplace of Christianity to some extent, there was there's not a single evangelical witness there. And so that has been a big part of what has led me on my journey. Uh, I was called in that global context. I've spent a lot of my ministry in that global context. It's really what brought me back to the United States as well because— uh, all of us are seeing our country drift away from God, like Antioch or like many parts of Europe. And, uh, and so that's what brought me back home as well. But I still have that burden and that, and that, and that uh, passion for global missions as well. I don't think that uh, missions can be put in, in, a, in one local context, although it ought to be local, but it must be carried out 
through the whole Great Commission and to the uttermost part of the earth. And so that's always been my passion. But I think I think a lot of, for me personally, the context of the calling and where I was and, and where I was in life has a lot to do with my passion for, for global missions. Yeah. Yeah, I, you said that, you know, going out to the end of the Great Commission, I've always thought that our, our doctrine that says that Christ died for all means that we have to be that kind of ends-the-earth kind of a people. Absolutely. So... I think the basis for both of them, you look at that Acts 1-8 reference of, of the, the layers in which we go. It's close and it's far. Uh, for me, it was I was in an established church and had pastored for about eight years and I just started noticing on Sundays, uh, every time I asked somebody how they were doing, I got the same answer. I got, I'm fine. Uh, how is the kid? They're fine. How's your marriage? It's fine. And it seemed repeated, and then I would talk to them on Thursday, and it wasn't fine. Their kids were a mess. Their marriage was a mess. But for some reason, the church had become, the local church that I knew, had become a place where we weren't able to be authentic. And I started really struggling with this and thought, okay, God, do I change this? Do I try to change this church? Do What, what are you calling me to do? And, and for me, he just ended up calling me back home. And... Uh, when I went back to my local area, I found a lot of the same thing, just not a lot of authenticity in, in relationship, authenticity with the gospel or the power of the gospel. I think we all, I think we can see ourselves at times or seasons in our ministry get in these ruts where we get really good at doing church, but we forget the power of what Jesus Christ is doing. And so for me, planting a church started out of that, just birthed out of a place where, where it was okay to come in and go, I'm really struggling today. Or I have no answer for what's coming, and I just need somebody to walk with me. And so that that just that power of the local body and local community, and when it's when it's set up right with proper vision and, and proper direction, that you can have that still in a local church body, even as churched. And I'll put quotations around that, as churched as we are in America, it's still possible to have real, authentic uh, relationship where you can be can just be open with people. And, and that was what I was seeking. And so a church plant offered that where we could start with really no boundaries um, and no set uh, standard, uh, maybe standards, the wrong word, no set agenda of what it might look like. Uh, we could just build it off, build it off relationship and vision. And uh, so that's, that's where it started for me and then kind of bled over and just to the love of what it's like to actually start something from the ground up. So, so, can you talk a little bit? Of, we've we've got a lot of things going on in both areas of national and global missions right now. Uh, you want to share a little bit about some of the things that you have going on in global missions right now, Mark? Some of the ministries we have we've been involved with for a number of years because of their value has just uh, been evident. In India, for example, we have been working with uh, women in poverty for a number of years through our sewing centers, and 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 uh, which is a six-month program of teaching tailoring skills and, and also sharing the gospel because many of the women who enroll in those programs are coming from uh, from backgrounds that are not Christian. And, uh, and so we share the gospel every day of the six months. We give them a skill set and, uh, and help, help lift them out of poverty so that they can, are able to earn money for, for their, their families and provide for them, for themselves and for their families. Often these women are, are, are widows and, um, and they are at a disadvantage culturally in this society. 
And, uh, and so that's been such a huge ministry in changing the lives of those women and those families. Uh, of course, we are involved in child care ministry in Honduras with Faith Home, and, and uh, it's, it's amazing to see the, the difference that the gospel is making in the lives of children who come there and who are raised there. Uh, one of the things we're doing that's making a big difference in India also is, is um, water wells. Um, Jesse Vamula there in, in India has been putting in um, as many wells as we can, uh, sending them money to put in. And, uh, and there's a few things you can do that will really change a community. The gospel is one of those, but uh, providing water for a community really has a powerful impact. And, and uh, Jesse's been able to use that to good advantage to, to talk about the living water of Jesus Christ. And, and so uh, most recently in West Africa, uh, we have, for the first time, General Baptist Ministry is going there. And again, sometimes it's the little things that make a big difference and are open doors to share the testimony. Uh, there, malaria is rampant, and, and the death rate from malaria is amazing. And so something as simple as buying mosquito nets and providing mosquito nets for families um, in, in that Christian context and being offered through a Christian church is uh, is uh, an opportunity to share the gospel with with people as well, and so we have we have a lot of ministries. We are involved in leadership training in all of our fields. We feel like it's vitally important that we that we create leaders and then create opportunities for those leaders to establish churches. And so uh, there's a lot of good things going on. Um, ultimately, we hope that they all are opportunities of sharing the gospel. But uh, certainly they're moving in the direction of trying to establish leadership in local churches in those contexts and those communities. Okay, very good. Uh, Vince, you want to share some things going on in national missions? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, had a good year this last year, and uh, we've got two works that are uh, currently in, in process. One launched in the, uh, November of this last year. Uh, COVID pushed some of their launch dates back. It wasn't what they were anticipating, but they launched and launched well and healthy, and uh, that's in Marlowe, Oklahoma. And uh, Pastor James Mitchell and his family are there kind of reaching that community. Marlowe's a town of about 4,000, so it's a, I would call it a, a small suburban town. I don't know that there's anything much larger around it, but uh, it's, it's kind of a small suburban area, uh, and they're doing a great work there. So far, he's, he's really opened up into... Uh, multiple ministries, so they have student ministry happening, but they've also started a recovery ministry um, that's happening in the community. They kind of went off the bat with that and just making sure they were pouring into the community. Uh, and then we've got an urban ministry that's happening in Detroit, Michigan. Pastor Stephen Perry, he's his wife, Tiara, and uh, Stephen is a kind of an entrepreneurial mind, and so he's always got his hands in something, but uh, his focus is the uh, inner city church there in Detroit. It's on Seven Mile. And so uh, it is about as downtown as you can get. Uh, but there's a great opportunity. There's a large neighborhood of homes uh, in and around the church building that they're remodeling. Uh, they've got a permanent facility there that they're in the process of remodeling and getting ready to go. Uh, so that's currently what's happening. Um, but also we're super excited about some expansion that may be coming for not only national missions, but our movement as a whole. Uh, we have a couple that's been assessed, uh, the rebongs that have been assessed and are going to be looking at uh, planting a church in the northwest of the country up and around Seattle. 
And so that's exciting. That's an area we've not been to yet. Also uh, in conversations with a church in Canyon City, Colorado, that's going to be starting and with some expansion ideas there. So those things and then some talks we're having with a uh, Native American ministry that's happening out of Phoenix, Arizona, gives us some some really great opportunities to kind of be stepping maybe outside our borders. And, you know, you, you think of that prayer that got so popular of Jabez several years back, but just, Lord, expand our borders. And uh, that was my prayer when I came in, and, and he's been really faithful in providing different works and different avenues to, to go where we haven't been before or provide different um, ministry opportunities that we haven't been able to see before. So those are some of the things that are happening in national missions right now. Great. So um, as you as you look at um, global missions or national missions, what are ways that churches can get involved in missions in some of the projects that are there now or that um, we have coming along? You know, in, in my context, um, as the pastor of a of a what would be considered a rural church, uh, the reality is that the Great Commission is much bigger than than anything the church can do. Uh, I think we have a great local ministry. I think we do a great job of of sharing our faith and of impacting the community. There's only two churches in the community. And so we're very much a community church involved in school events and, and civic events, fundraisers for people who are going through difficult times. And, and uh, I think that we're, we're really doing a fantastic job of, of making a difference where we are. But the Great Commission is bigger than that. It's broader than that. It includes that. But um, the Great Commission, again, says that we have to carry this message to the rest of the world. And so for, for us in, in Risco, Missouri, uh, that's bigger than we are. And so the, the best way for, for our church to become involved in, in carrying the Great Commission to Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth is to be involved with a group of people. And, uh, and for us, uh, the church has always been a General Baptist church. And uh, for us, that means giving to unified giving, where those funds can be used for planting churches or be used to spread the gospel globally. Uh, through unified giving, we are able to be that Great Commission church that we are in our local context, our local community, but that we also have to be in other places as well. And so that that vehicle of, of unified giving enables us to be bigger than, than we are as a small rural church, uh, and it allows us to fulfill the Great Commission, and, uh, and it allows us to be part of praying for and caring for uh, other Christians around the world. And so for, for a church like Risco, and I think really any church for that matter, um, that is by far the best way for us to be involved in, uh, in, in carrying the Great Commission. Uh, you, you give to unified giving, and it goes to help plant churches. It goes to global missions. It, it helps uh, other ministries within the within the movement, ch- church revitalization, and uh, and so all those things are essential. And from my position as as uh, vice president for global, essential. We we can't we can't succeed globally without strong, healthy churches. 
uh, to support that that ministry and to be involved in that ministry. And so, uh, we're champions of of uh, what's going on in national missions and and revitalization. Um, we we are praying and hoping uh, that those things have great success because as they succeed and as they come alongside us in in ministry that helps us to be able to do more globally as well. And so it's a great partnership that really works and has worked for many years. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that uh, as a local church, uh, I think one of the things I had to get better at was putting it in front of my people, the idea of mission. I think we sometimes get in this idea or this place in our head where we go, well, we just do the church. And, and even depending on your model of church, the idea can be, well, we got to build the house and then we can, you know, go from there. But we were never called scripturally to build the house. We were always been called to build the kingdom. And missions gives us that avenue to build the global kingdom. And so it empowers my people when we talk about missions to get involved. Uh, I use the analogy a lot. Uh, and just to kind of jump on what Mark said there about unified giving, that's the that's the jersey. You know, I, I know if I'm giving to that, I've, I'm wearing the jersey. I, I'm on the team, and I'm, I'm making the touchdown happen, whether that's at a new plant in Oklahoma or if that's a water well in India. I'm, I'm on the same team, and we get to high-five each other when those things happen. And so I think get putting, making sure we don't neglect putting it in front of our people, just talking through the idea of missions and, and how vital it is, and then giving them the avenue of unified giving or giving them opportunity to give towards these things. Or uh, we, we're looking at possible teams with our national missions where we're able to send some people to, to be able to go to these areas and just be involved in some outreach opportunities locally, and, or I say locally, at least nationally. Um, so those, there's lots of opportunities and ways to put your church in a place. At least for our church, that was what it does. Our church has been to Mexico and helped with some of our Mexico works. Um, but when we put it in front of them, there's a response. So as ministers and pastors, I think that's the biggest thing is make sure we put it in front of them. So, okay. so talk about churches, but what about individuals? You, you said something about uh, teams. I know that that's something that you've been involved in and with in global missions, people getting involved in by going even on teams. My first ex- exposure to that was going with on a team to Honduras. So, yeah, that's so can you talk about individuals and how they can get involved? Yeah, being involved in a team is a great way to be able to experience firsthand uh, a mission work, whether it's whether it's globally or locally. Uh, I think it will change your life. There's no there's no question. I know too many people who is, whose lives have been changed, who uh, would would say that they were not passionate about missions prior to that trip, and that trip changed their life, and and they became very. Uh, strong advocates and became very passionate about missions. And so um, there are many avenues for which a person can become involved, uh, sponsoring a child at Faith Home or a student in the Philippines or or uh, helping with a water well in India, being part of a team. We have all kinds of opportunities at all kinds of levels for people to become involved individually within uh, within that context, as well as giving to their local church, which is involved in, in a corporate giving program as well. And so um, all they have to do is just express some interest, and we will try to find an avenue for them to, uh, a vehicle for, for them to, to take that interest and, and make it uh, something that is fulfilling for them. Yeah, I think for uh, on the other side of that, I think as a pastor, and I think this is better for me to answer from a pastor perspective, is that 
make opportunities for your individuals or give opportunities for your individuals to be involved in these things. Uh, they're there. The programs are there through Mission One, through different things that we do as a denomination, as a movement. Uh, but I think we have to just say, hey, here's an opportunity. My wife and daughter were able to go to Honduras. Myself and some of our other staff have been able to go to Mexico. And, and Mark's right. When you get on site and you see the gospel at work and you see the, the I guess, the result of all the work that goes into it from the local church level at giving to the teams being formed, and you see it all come to fruition with this moment with these, in these churches, uh, it's life-changing. And so whether that's on a national scale and, and you're handing out water at a city park or you're international and you're digging a well in India or wherever it may be, it's the act of being involved in missions will change your worldview. And so I think just making sure that you have opportunity, find opportunity for your people to go be involved. Danny, we have um, what we call our launch program in, uh, in missions and it begins at the vac- Vacation Bible School with the Vacation Bible School offering. And uh, it, it begins with involving children through uh, missions education and giving so that, so that they learn some stewardship principles as well as uh, what's going on in one of our mission fields. And, and then they can, as they, go, as they get older, they have opportunities to actually be involved in, in a mission team or an internship. And, and so we move them from that involvement through education and giving to actually going and, and being part. And most, if not all at this point, all of our missionaries that serve globally, they were involved in that at some level. And, and it really did launch them into uh, a life that was missional and, and had purpose. And so uh, we would really encourage churches to, to take advantage of those opportunities to, to uh, involve their kids in, in stewardship and missions giving from the, from the earliest age. And then as their, uh, as their kids get older, uh, encourage internships. Um, Dr. Jim Pratt here in, in, in Poplar Bluff uh, has worked with college-age students um, much of his life. He, he's great with them and is able to uh, to assess them in a way that that they can be placed in a, in a, in a area where they will find purpose and 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 meaning. And so, uh, our launch program is designed for for that whole uh, bringing people individually along that journey to be involved in missions. Good. So, what about individual? Like, if you have a, somebody that says. Um, you know, I, I'm feeling a sense of calling to go on the mission field. Or they have someone that says, hey, I, I think I might want to plant a church. Um, who do they talk to? What is that, I mean, what does that process look like? I imagine they talk to their pastor first, yeah. uh, and, uh, and that's where it begins. You know, in, in, in our movement, um, a lot of times we will meet someone uh, who is on a team or has come back from a team or at, at the summit who is interested in, in missions. We have a family leaving for the mission field this Friday. Uh, they first approached me at, at the General Baptist Summit and uh, expressed interest in, in, in missions. And we began that journey together of, of assessment and, uh, and then fundraising and, and all, all aspects of it. Um, and so 
Uh, I think that uh, in, in our movement, we're, uh, we're to a place where we're still very approachable and will become more approachable, approachable as, we, as we establish the regional programs. Um, but I think for, for most folks, it's going to be their pastor. They're going to talk to their pastor, and, and hopefully that pastor will, will have the insight to be able to, uh, to know their passions and whether it's something that might be fit globally or something that might fit nationally or, or even just in the local church context. Yeah, and I think for one, once they get to that point where that is an answer of yes, I feel like this person is being led or called into planting a church or the mission field. I think that next call for us in the national mission side of thing, that's where we move to what we call an, an assessment. And so we would interview over the phone, possibly in a face-to-face meeting, and then we would set up a time for them to go to an assessment, which for us is a three to three to four day event with them and their spouse as they're walking through that call. If they're married, their spouse would be with them, obviously. If not, then they'd go alone. But it's walking through that call, walking through the gift sets, skill sets, different things that would have them prepared. And, you know, we would begin laying out what where the area is that they feel led to and just walking with them through that. So contacting National Missions, the office here at Poplar Bluff, or again, maybe pastors, let them know that we're here so that they can walk through that. Even if you don't feel like you're equipped, to help them walk through that, make the phone call, make that connection so that we don't miss an opportunity with somebody who could, you know, start the next uh, fast growing church or the next unified giving mission supporting church. We don't we don't want to miss that opportunity. So uh, I would say connect them as quick as you can to the national office so that we can get the resources in their hands. Right. So one of the things that in both sides, it's the of, uh, global or national. They don't have to be, uh, you know, you know, career-long missionary for us to get them involved in missions. And we don't have to have someone that is going to be, you know, they their vision is to plant a church of a thousand. Mm-hmm. It could be someone who is ready to work in in the context for a short period of time in a, in a global context or someone who has a passion to plant a church in a small town. For sure. For and sure. So. All, any and all, I think, is what the Great Commission teaches us. Wherever the gospel can go, it should go. So as we kind of wrap up here, I want to ask the question, what is an area that uh, right now in your ministry that um, General Baptist can pray about? Uh, For us, it's candidates. Um, I'm looking and praying that right now that God would send people to us out of our churches, those pastors that may be sitting on the sideline, preachers that feel like they've been called, but yet um, maybe they've just felt like they've hit a spot where they're not sure what to do next. And I think that I'm, or I know that I'm praying that God would at least move some of them to be assessed. And assessment doesn't mean you're going to go plant a church, but what it will do is clarify that call in your life to, yes, I'm an established church pastor, or yes, I'm a church plant, or even we've seen assessments. Yes, this is somebody that may fit better on an international field. It's just such a critical piece. And so I've just been praying and, and would ask uh, the movement to be praying that we would have candidates be willing to be assessed that would reach out to us. Yeah. I, I think for me, ultimately, while we talked about projects and the Great Commission and, and training leaders and planting churches, for me, ultimately, I think my greatest responsibility are for the missionary families that come to us and that uh, General Baptists have entrusted to us to to send to the to these fields, and um, 
having having raised a family on a mission field and and and, under, and understand a little bit of what they're going through, my my greatest prayer burden is for our missionaries. I, I cannot imagine what it has been like to be overseas in contexts that are much stricter when it comes to COVID restrictions and COVID regulations and days you can travel and days you can't travel for for well over a year and a half now. I, I can't imagine what that's been like. And our missionaries have been amazingly resilient and gracious, um, but I know it, it, it has to be difficult. And so I would ask people to continue to pray for those missionaries and for the work they're doing um, they are key for us to the rest of it, and and their uh, spiritual, physical, and mental health is so important. And so I would ask people to, to pray for them. Before we wrap up, let's take just a moment. We're going to pray together about those things and, and, and invite our listeners to also uh, join us in prayer. Father, you are always faithful to your promises to us. And Lord, you have been constantly faithful in building your church. And we are grateful that you get to, that we get to be a part of that, that we get to come alongside of the work that you're doing, that we get to witness to the power of the resurrection at work in your people. And Lord, we are grateful that we get to work alongside men and women who have responded to your call. Lord, we're thankful for our missionaries. We're thankful for the lives that they lead, the faithfulness that they uh, bring to their tasks. Lord, we are grateful for those that work with us uh, that are nationals in our field as well, that are faithful in working with the churches in places like Honduras or in India or in Japan. Lord, we are also grateful that uh, you have called uh, individuals out to plant churches even here in the United States. And Lord, I am grateful and uh, thankful for all the, the work that they are accomplishing, for those that are coming to know you because they are faithful to respond to that call and have um, done the work the necessary in order for people to come to know Jesus uh, because um, you have built your church through them. And Lord, we again ask that you would call people to uh, the fields that are indeed white. Father, you said that if we would... Um, that we should pray that you would send individuals out. And so, Lord, we are being responsive to that and asking that indeed you would call people to uh, ministry, call pastors, call church planters, and call missionaries, that uh, the Great Commission may be indeed um, accomplished through your power and for your glory and through your people. And we are grateful to you for all that you have done and all that you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you for the conversation today. Thank you, Danny. Thank, thank you. you, Mark. I want to thank Vince and Mark for the conversation on this episode. Missions is one of our core areas of activity here at General Baptist Ministry, so we're excited about the possibilities for the future and what God will continue to do through our partnership together. On the next episode of the podcast, we will be featuring a conversation between our new Vice President for Church Revitalization, Travis Stevens, and Jason Baugh from Centerpoint Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. You will definitely want to not miss that conversation. 
If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to access our content and leave us a review. When you do that, it allows other people to find us. Thank you for listening, and we will see you on the next episode of Doing Together. Doing Together.